we continue our series on the adventure to the cross, we see Jesus speaking into the hearts and lives of his concerned followers. In the end of chapter 13 of John, he has told them that Peter is going to deny him. Peter has said, I'm gonna, I would die for you. I'll go everywhere with you. And Jesus says, before the, croc, the cock crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. Jesus is letting his followers know that they're headed into an incredibly uncertain and incredibly difficult time. So he presents them with words of hope, hope for them, but also hope for us today. The words that we will read and reflect on today come from John 14, verses 1 to 14. And if you're here with us in person or if you're home, we invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. There on that night, when Jesus would be betrayed, and prior to going to his death, he said this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I have said to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may glorify the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I'm going to continue a few more verses. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. This is the word of God. You may be seated. I want us to think this morning of a friend or family member, a neighbor, a coworker, who is perhaps going through a personal crisis of some kind. The question is, if you were with that person right now, how would you try to help them? How would you come alongside them? How could you support them? And how does the scripture we just read, how would that speak in to their heart and then their life? Here in this passage, Jesus faced the challenge of dealing with 11 disciples who feel like their hearts were breaking too, based on what he was communicating to them. 
But Jesus is saying, in the midst of all that seems to be going awry, in the midst of all that is confusing and what will be incredibly earth-shaking that they will experience over the next 24 hours, that he is still the way and will still provide a path for them. I think a central question that the passage raises and that we wrestle with too is just this, and Thomas and Philip ask it in their own way, particularly Thomas, and that is, is there room? In other words, is there space for me? Is there a path for me? In the midst of what you're telling us, can I still trust that there's space for me with God? Sometimes we can feel like our problems are so big that there's just no space. That we feel consumed or overwhelmed by our challenges, or we may encounter someone else who is going through that, and we wonder if there is room enough for God to minister to us in those situations. And lead us through those challenges. For some, it's the challenge of sin, the reality of sin. And people wonder if there's still room in God's house for us. Is there still a space of grace that's awaiting us in the future? And where God would meet me now in the midst of what I'm going through. Well, in the midst of those spiritual questions, Jesus speaks in to the hearts and lives of his disciples. And gives words of encouragement. Words that are still living and powerful and present for us today. And I think about what we've been going through over the last week or so. Kids have been out of school now for about eight or nine days, wondering when things are going to open back up. There's tired and weary parents. There's people tired and weary from shoveling snow. There's people tired and weary from not having their power or electricity. Things that we often take for granted have been removed from us over the last week or so. And in the midst of all that troubles us and all that troubles those around us, the the foundational truth we can rest on today is just this. Every follower of Jesus, every follower of Jesus can share Jesus with others because Jesus is the way. Every follower of Jesus can share Jesus with others because Jesus is the way. But before we share that, we need to know that, right? And we all may be questioning that in different ways. What, how is Jesus going to present a way or provide a way through what we're presently going through? How is he going to be with us? And what is it that awaits us? Well, Jesus starts in the passage with a negative prohibition. He says simply, do not let your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be thrown into confusion or distress, a couple of other translations say. And if we were to think about the modern condition of humanity, we might say troubled hearts, uh, hearts that are worn down, hearts that are confused, hearts that are distressed might be uh, an essential summary of the human condition right now. We have been tremendously troubled and distressed by daily life, by the circumstances over the last three years or so, by our present challenges. But in the midst of those conditions, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, this isn't just saying, uh, this isn't just Jesus trying to talk them out of their emotions. I try this sometimes as a husband with my wife, and I can tell you it does not work to simply say, don't worry. Or, you know, why are you stressed? If I use those words, I usually get a look back like, you're not helpful. The difference with Jesus is he can say, do not let your hearts be troubled because, the positive, trust in God, 
trust also in me. You can trust my Father with whatever you're feeling right now. You can trust me also because Jesus provides the antidote for a troubled heart. He urges his disciples to maintain their trust in the Father and in him in the Son because of who he is and the way through that he is going to provide. So it's not just trying to talk them out of their feelings or emotions like we might try to. It's actually ministering to those feelings and emotions and helping people move through them because of who he is and what he's going to do. For the disciples, in a very short time, their world was simply going to fall apart. Things were going to collapse. Their hopes and dreams for Jesus to be a political Messiah, to provide them salvation from out from under Roman rule, was not going to happen. Their world was going to go dark, just as the darkness surrounded Jesus and his death on the cross. But Jesus is saying that even in the midst of the darkness, you can believe in me and you can believe in the Father's power and presence to be present with you and to lead you through your confusion and your doubt. Jesus is saying, drop anchor in me, trust in me, and I will see you through. In this way, we could say simply, the answer to trouble is trust. Trust in Jesus. Trust in the salvation that he provides. Trust that he is faithful and is the ultimate expression of God's presence and faithfulness. And if we follow him, he will see us through. Whatever it is troubles us. Whatever it is weighs us down. The opening question then, the passage is, do you trust the Father and Jesus? How do your actions show trust or the lack of it? How can you grow in trust? What past experiences may hinder you from fully trusting God? Was there a time where you feel like God let you down somehow, and based on that previous experience of feeling let down by God, you're having trouble trusting him to see you through right now? Now, obviously, one of our problems is that we tend to trust in our own strength or ability We work hard and then we think that that hard work or working through things ourselves is going to see us through. On Thursday of this last week, Josh and I spent some pretty significant time, uh, you know, shoveling the snow from out from the lip or the lower bowl of our driveway and then the top part as we come up to our main road. But if you've ever been to my home, we have about an 80 yard long driveway So Josh and I, based on the work we had done, thought that we had done enough to get us out. Well, we drove up at the lip of the driveway and started to go up the driveway, and pretty soon we were in about a foot and a half of snow, and there was no way we were going to get through. It was an example of our human attempts to get through the challenges that impede us and the challenge of waiting and trusting that God will ultimately provide a way. By Friday, we got a call from our neighbor. Hey, there's a guy with a cat, and he's willing to come by and plow your driveway. Yes, we said. And pretty soon, there was a way that was paved through, a path through the snow, and we were able to get out. Similarly, Jesus is the one who provides the way. And here Jesus says, I am. He uses again one of the ego, me, I am statements that declares both he is who he is as God and what he is going to do. 
And here Jesus says, I am going there to prepare a place for you. He says, I am coming back to take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the prodromos, which is the forerunner. He is the one who goes ahead of us to prepare a place for us. He is the one that creates a pathway between where we are in our separation from God and where God is. And essentially, he goes on to say, there is plenty of room to live in my father's house. I am going to prepare a place for you, and there is space for you. Friends, that's tremendously good news. To know that there is space and place for us in the Father's house through Jesus. And that Jesus is the one preparing that place for us. It's just up to us to follow and to trust. That where Jesus now is in his resurrection and ascension, we will one day be. But the great truth here is not only what awaits us in heaven, in Jesus going and preparing a place for us, but that Jesus is with us now. And he sees us through our present challenges and circumstances. It's not just that he is the way for all eternity to the Father. It's that he's the great high priest and mediator now. And we can come to him with anything that troubles us. He is a living Lord and Savior. He is a living way. The questions I'm most often getting today, even this morning, I had about 10 texts. How are the roads? Am I going to be able to get into church if I drive there? What's the condition of the parking lot? Well, I could say the roads were plowed. You could get through. And guess what? Robinsons came and plowed the parking lot. There is space for you. Now I understand the challenges of getting here. And I understand why many of you stayed home. But it's an analogy to illustrate the fact that if the sin could be, or the snow could be like sin, and, and there are times where snow is associated with sin, that our sin is, is like scarlet, but Jesus makes us white as snow. He is the one that paves the way. He's the one that clears whatever blocks us in the pathway between where we are and where the Father is. Friends, we can look forward to eternal life Because Jesus has promised it to all who believe in him. But we can actually begin to enjoy eternal life now, for it becomes ours the moment we believe in Jesus. We can live today with a new destiny in mind, because Jesus is preparing us to share eternity with him. I go to prepare a place for you, he says. The language he uses is relationship language. He's preparing space and place for us to be present with him. And the same word when he says a place is is mano in the Greek. It's the same word that he uses for abide in me as we're going to look at next week in John 15. Just as he says we are to abide in him like a branch to a vine. We're to abide in him in terms of knowing that there is space and place for relationship with him, and that he's going to ultimately one day come back to take us to be where he is. Imagine somebody with a four-wheel drive who's gone ahead and he's seen that they've seen that the road is clear and that there is space, but not only is there a promise that there is a way through and that there's space for you, they actually drive back and pick you up at your home to bring you there. Because they know you don't have a four-wheel drive, and they know there's no way you're going to get there without it. Jesus spiritually 
not only paves the way, knows that the place has space and room for us, but he will ultimately come back to take us to be where he is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. When he says, I am the way, he is saying he is both God and man, and he knows intimately our experience and our needs. He becomes the path of the bridge of the transport from where we are to God in relationship with him. And wherever we are spiritually, wherever we find ourselves physically. He is also the truth. Jesus is our source of intimate knowledge of the Father. He expresses who God is truthfully and fully and completely. When he goes on to say, no one, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's saying, I am the exact you know, representation. I give you a clear picture of who God is. I am no artistic representation that looks somewhat like. I am God in the flesh, incarnate. He is the life. He provides life both now and eternally. We can look forward to that eternal future with God in heaven one day. We can celebrate that for our family members and our friends. But we can also know that he provides a different kind of life now. Yesterday, uh, while it was snowing here, I had headed over to Williams where some of my extended family lives. And we celebrated the life of a relative of mine who lived in a, on a ranch outside of Williams. And every Easter, she would open up her home to my extended family for a huge Easter egg hunt that would take place in the hills there, just off of the five and outside of Williams. Every Easter, she provided space and place for her family to gather and celebrate, both in faith in Jesus but also to connect as family and friends. Similarly, Easter, Jesus' resurrection and overcoming the grave is that way of providing space and place for his family to gather and to celebrate and rejoice that death did not have the last word for him and life is free and clear through Christ. Many people in our modern day and age question whether there should only be one way. They would say that just seems too exclusive for Jesus to be the only way to God. But I want to remind us that the church didn't make that proclamation up. It's not we who said Jesus is the only way to God. It's that Jesus said that himself. And when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's proclaiming to be the only way to God, the only way of overcoming sin and the separation that we experience through death, he is the only pathway to God. And if Jesus made that claim, then C.S. Lewis and others have commented that in making that claim, Jesus is either a liar, he knew that he was, it wasn't true, but he made that claim and he lied about it. He was a lunatic. He thought he was the pathway to God, but really he wasn't. Or he is Lord and the only way to God, and we need to receive him as such. The fact that there is a way at all to God is the act of God's grace. Because outside of God providing that way through Jesus, we are lost and separated from God in our sin and are without hope. But God in his grace and mercy has provided a way through in Jesus. He's made a way through to relationship with you. Jesus goes on to describe our, our response to Jesus as the way and the conditions there. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you really knew Jesus, he says, you would know my Father as well. And if you see Jesus, you have seen the Father. Again, Jesus is the visible, tangible image of the invisible God. He is the complete revelation of what God is like. Jesus would explain to Philip that if you wanted to see the Father, that, that, that to know Jesus is to know God. The search for God, for truth and reality ends in Christ because he is that. Jesus and the Father share characteristics in such a way that anyone who has seen one has seen the other. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the one who shows us what God is like. And if we see him, we see God. And that means that then God the Father is ready to welcome us and receive us as Jesus describes. But no other, there, but no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the only way to God. But he is a way for all who are willing to accept him and receive him. Jesus has prepared a place for us. He is the way. And he wants us to know him and receive him. And that is the radical center of the Christian gospel. Earl Palmer once said, For we believe that the Almighty God Himself, the I Am behind all reality, has spoken for Himself in Jesus Christ, who is the Word made flesh. If you want to know who God is, take a look at Jesus and what He says and what He does. For Jesus is not only is not one of many spiritual emanations or many influences along life's pathway. He is the path himself. That is the total claim of the gospel. That through Jesus we have the unique one and only revelation of God. But in Jesus we have a way through. Jesus then says to believe that in him as the way means that we believe that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him. Believing that Jesus is the way is based on, the, on that evidence, but also based on the evidence of the miracles that Jesus did. And we can believe in Jesus by faith that he will enable us to do what he has been doing. In fact, he even says we will do greater things than these. We are invited to believe that Jesus and the Father and that intimate union with God allows us to trust that Jesus reveals God fully and completely in what God is like. But also, Jesus evidences his power through the various miracles he did while he was on earth. Jesus is saying, essentially, you can believe in my word and what I'm saying, and it's truth, but you can also trust me because of what I've done to prove that it is true. For instance, raising Lazarus from the dead, as we looked at a few weeks ago, proves that Jesus has the power to be the resurrection and the life. He did miracles that affirmed what he had expressed. But in the amazing mystery of the gospel, Jesus says that I will enable you to do even greater things than these. What does he mean by that? Because Jesus surely did amazing miracles. Raising the dead, I haven't done that. You haven't done that. What does he mean? He means that the multitude of his works are going to have an expanded influence on this world. That through generations there are going to be miraculous things that God does, but also more fully that there are going to be more and more people touched by those things. 
In other words, there's going to be more and more conversions, more and more people coming to accept and welcome Jesus. We can believe in who Jesus is as the reflection of God. We can believe in him as the way because of the miracles, but we also believe in him because we see him still changing hearts and lives today. Greater things than these is the fact that honestly, when Jesus died and rose again and ascended to heaven, there were only a few hundred of followers. But now, millions follow him. And over the centuries and over the days, greater things have occurred in terms of the greater expansion of the mission of God through the disciples of God. And friends, that's still true today. He's still working in powerful ways. And we can still trust him to accomplish his mission through his followers. Why? Because we can ask him and we can trust him and he provides the power we need to accomplish that task. You see, based on Jesus as the way, we can ask, and Jesus, it says, will do whatever we ask in his name so that the Son may glorify the Father. If we missed it the first time, he says again, ask, and he will do whatever we ask in his name. He affirms that twice. And then he says, ask the Father, and I will give you another counselor to be with you forever. What does he mean by all that? He means that not just that whatever we ask for, our crazy ideas, God is just going to do. Instead, what he's saying is when you ask in my name, you're asking in light of who I am and what I want to accomplish. You're asking in light of my purpose and the desire to fulfill my mission. And when you ask in my name, in my character and in the path of, of what I'm trying to accomplish, I will do what you're asking. The power is in Jesus' name. And the ultimate provision to accomplish what we have prayed for is Jesus' going ahead of us, dying and rising and ascending to heaven, and then sending back for us the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside us, who is our advocate and intercessor, the one who accomplishes the mission of God through us. You see, we don't ask Jesus to answer our prayers and then fulfill those things in our own strength or ability. We ask Jesus to answer our prayers and he provides the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to abide in us and accomplish through us the mission of God. How then can we share Jesus as followers of him with others? It's because he is the way, the truth, and the life, but it's also because he does not leave us alone to accomplish that mission in our own strength or ability. He comes in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to accomplish far more than we could ever ask or imagine in and through his presence with us. Think back to that friend or family member, neighbor, coworker who may have come to mind who's going through a difficult time. Now plan to do something this week to encourage that person A phone call, a letter, a small gift, or an invitation to come and and share the warmth of your home if you're one that still has power or heat. Invite them to come to your house. Tell them there's space and place for them with you. But don't do that in your own strength or ability. Allow God's Holy Spirit to guide you and allow the the truth that Jesus is, the way, the truth, and the life to inspire you so that you have truly something to share, the greatest treasure to offer, 
a relationship with God that enables us to see through and go through whatever challenges await us. Friends, the hope that we have is Jesus. It's not in our own wisdom. It's not in our own strength. It's not just in, even in our own hopes apart from him. No, the hope that we have is in Jesus and who he is and what he has accomplished and how that will enable us to work through and see through our present darkness. Friends, these days are not easy to live. Many of us feel tired and weary, worn down. And yet Jesus has strength. He has his presence available to us. He has the other counselor of the Holy Spirit to come and abide in us and to wake us up to him and walk with us through what we're going through. You give life, you are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our 